It's Monday, January 10th, and you're listening to Narratives from the Black Diaspora and Beyond. The health and wellness industry in America is massive. I think I remember reading a statistic sometime back in December where it said the health and wellness industry in the U.S. market alone cleared $20.4 billion. I'm going to make sure I add a link to that once I find it after this episode's through. But that figure is so massive, and yet the home remedies sector of the health and wellness industry continues to expand at a rapid pace, specifically with the usage of cannabis and some body, skin, and even aromatherapy care products. That's why I was really excited to sit down today with this guest who owns a brand that has plant-based remedies. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. My name is Simone Gates. I go by she, her, and I'm from Germany originally. I was born outside of Frankfurt, Germany, and went back and forth overseas and in the States as a child. Did my freshman year in college at University of San Diego, and then I migrated to the East Coast and finished off at Northeastern University in Boston. And after graduating, I have been in New York for the past six years, going on six years. That's actually pretty damn cool. So (laughs) you speak German? Not anymore. Um, It's unfortunate because apparently I used to have like a German nanny who spoke to me in German and I would understand her. But as you know, like, I grew up in Japan as well. So anytime you're in a specific country, they make you learn their language. So I was learning Japanese in middle school. And then once I migrated back to the States for high school, you know, the big thing is learning Spanish. So I'm a hot mess, been introduced to a lot of languages. And unfortunately, the only language I can fluently speak is English. So (laughs) Um, that's pretty cool. (laughs) You know, maybe you could be one of those people that like one day wake up randomly just speaking fluent Japanese. Girl, I hope so. I'm like, strike me lightning so I can wake up with a new talent. Um, but I, I love traveling. So I will say that, you know, uh, my my upbringing really was, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to travel a lot because that's kind of guided me in how I run a business and how I make decisions. It's just... I'm very fortunate enough to have that worldly perspective, if you will. What led you into cannabis or using CBD infused products? Was it a person? Was it a life event? That's interesting. 
It's crazy because I often forget that I'm quote unquote within the cannabis industry until I get presented opportunities like this to speak on it. I think because, so let me start from the beginning. I started my brand. I started working on the formulas back in 2017. And at least in New York, CBD wasn't a thing when I first started. I actually got, I guess, introduced into cannabis because my parents have, they retired in Vegas. So that's been home for me for the past 15 years. And around 2015, 2016, that's when recreational marijuana became really big in Nevada. So as residents, we were inundated with all this new information. And New York hadn't been hit to that yet. So when I was formulating products, I was just doing a lot of research on plant-based remedies. And when I would go home, you know, I would do a little bit of research on cannabis. And because it wasn't a recreational state, I couldn't bring, I legally couldn't bring (laughs) cannabis across state lines. So then I discovered CBD. And when I initially discovered CBD, I was actually importing it from abroad. I wasn't able to get like a high level, full spectrum quality oil domestically. So I I stumbled on it because I was going through a rough time physically and mentally. I got injured And it really affected my ability to work and just live. Like I had problems sleeping. I I was constantly in pain. And then on top of that, I was in a new city. I had just moved to New York. I was going through a lot of just stress in general that I think is kind of normal when you move to a new city and figuring things out. So I'm sorry, I feel like I'm all over the place with this answer, but going through that, I needed a solution and I couldn't find anything on the market that was all natural or that was effective. So I would find things that claim to be all natural, but it wouldn't actually be effective. And for me, I wasn't able to get relief by going to a physical therapist. I didn't want to go to a doctor and they prescribed me something stronger than a Tylenol. So I was like, I got to figure this out. And circling back, like I said, my introduction to cannabis was from a recreational standpoint and just did a lot more research and found out that, you know, CBD was a great alternative. And I kind of ran with it. And I, I really think it, worked out so well because I didn't hold myself. I didn't box myself in from the beginning as a cannabis brand. And that's why I think sometimes I do forget that I am part of the industry, but I never just wanted to lead with that because there was still so much stigmatism when I first got started. And I wanted people to see that cannabis is just like any other herb. It's just like any other plant. It should be considered like lavender, right? But it's not. So I'm just very mindful of how I speak about it and how I label and put the brand forward. Because to me, it's special and it's unique because we are using hemp. But 
it, it, it shouldn't be stigmatized like, you know, a lot of the, the products in the industry are. What did your family and friends, like, how did they react to that when you said you wanted to create some products that were infused with cannabis? I don't think they understood. I, I, and I'm, I mean, like my parents were always game. They, they are my biggest supporters. So whatever I brought to them, they were like, okay, (laughs) they didn't really, I don't think they understood. Like a lot of people, like, I know, like we're going into 2022 and it seems if you kind of think about it, it seems like CBD has been around for so much longer than it has been, but that's very much the case for California or the West coast. But on the East coast of New York, people were not hit to CBD until 2019. And by that time, I had already started the brand. I had already been formulated for about two years, a year and a half, two years. So when people started hearing more about CBD, then they were like, oh, smile, you're, you were really on top of it. Like you were really ahead of the game in that sense, of, in terms of incorporating it into products. But unfortunately, when it did get to New York, a lot of people, and when I say people, a lot of businesses just started adding it to food. So you would go into bakeries, you would go into bars, you would go into coffee shops, and they would just be adding it. And people didn't know anything about dosage. They didn't know anything about full spectrum versus isolate. It was, I still had to push against the stigmatism of like, oh, that's snake oil, you know? But thankfully, my friends, my network, my friends and family were supportive from the very beginning, but they definitely didn't understand what the heck I was doing. <laughs> I'm sure you heard some crazy stuff, too. Like, what what would you say are the, oh, biggest, yeah. the biggest misconceptions about oh my utilizing gosh. cannabis and, you know, your home goods and body care? Yes, it take was, that sip. It was, <laughs> it was so hard because as you can tell, what, what what are we like five minutes in? As you can tell, I'm very talkative. So when I would go out and present my brand, it was so hard to bite my tongue when I would come across customers who were like, oh no, I can't, I can't use a CBD bomb. It's gonna show up on my drug test. You know, and I I couldn't fault them because they didn't know any better. Like nobody knew any better. At least again, I'm, I want to make this clear. I do feel like East Coast was like 20 years behind the game when it came to cannabis, when it comes to cannabis. We're still behind the game. New York just became a recreational state and we still won't even have recreational dispensaries until another two or three years. So when I was out hitting the pavement, doing markets and doing farmers markets and pop-ups and trade shows. Like when I was on the East coast, people did not understand it, especially if they were in positions such as firefighters or police officers, like the comments that I would hear just really showed how much I needed to educate at least my customers and provide the test results, provide the information behind the difference as to why we use full spectrum versus isolate, provide the difference between hemp plant and marijuana. Um, 
it, it, it was crazy. Like people did not even want to sample some of my products, irregardless of what type of pain they were going through, because they really believed that them rubbing it on their elbow, it would show up in a drug test. And for those listening who are kind of like, wait, I still don't understand. When CBD first came out, right? Again, I, I, I do feel like there were a lot of other states that were ahead of the curve, but at least on the East Coast in New York, what I experienced when CBD first became known, a lot of people still had that assumption that there was high levels of THC. So when you're smoking marijuana, it's getting into your bloodstream, it's getting into your system, you pee it out into a cup and it can show up on a drug test. People still had that assumption that if you are using a product topically with CBD, that it would then get into your bloodstream and then pee in a cup and it would show up as positive for marijuana. Hopefully there's a lot more information out there uh, that shows that when you're working with hemp, especially if you're working with an isolate, right? That means they're, they're basically filtering out the THC. And legally, you can't use CBD that has a higher level of 0.3% of THC unless you're in a recreational state and it's properly labeled. I had to go against that lack of information of your body is utilizing the, the, I guess, benefits a lot differently if you're applying it topically than if you were smoking it or ingesting it. I never thought that people would think CBD would show up on a drug test. For me, it doesn't make sense thinking about it. Yeah, but still a a huge misconception. Yeah, Uh, and it just, I guess it kind of also shows you how like, behind the curve we were, right? Because I think it really did stem from the fact that there were tests in the past where people were smoking hemp, just hemp in general, right? And depending upon how the hemp was processed, how, what the levels of THC were, you know, they were still showing trace amounts of THC when they would take a test. And I think that kind of misconstrued and people assumed that anything involving hip and hemp and no matter how you were using it, even topically, that same issue can occur. But but yeah, it, it just shows you how long we've we've come, right? Because again, I was kind of like I wasn't taken I wasn't taken seriously when I when I would first introduce myself and my products. It was very frustrating because people thought I would I would just jump in on the bandwagon, and I'm like, I, I was doing this before it even hit New York, and I'm not trying to say that I'm a, you know godmother of it please by no means you know there were a lot more people doing it before i was but i i will say i was definitely i wasn't taken serious back in 2018 when i first started really taking the brand out there and doing a lot more events Thank you.
when you first started brainstorming your brand, was that the biggest challenge you had to overcome or was it more like oh, you found no. that it was like a create, like a, a huge achievement to be creating a, you know, a brand in the first place? I definitely recommend that people sit down and celebrate their small wins. Girl, like me being able to get over the hump of filing all the paperwork and getting the LLC situated in the bank account, that was, that was for me, that was like an achievement. But I really, once I started going, I really didn't sit down and think about it. My biggest hump, if you will, is just like any other business. And that's finding your perfect customer. When I first launched a brand, I was trying to go after millennials like myself. So my background is wellness. And what I mean by that is I definitely didn't study it in college. But when I moved out to New York, I had plans to do product marketing for Nike. Didn't get the job, (laughs) Um, which is crazy because I ended up working with them this year. But I fell on my experience of fitness and teaching. So I got hired as a fitness consultant and it kind of spiraled. So when I launched the brand, I was a corporate wellness instructor. I was a personal trainer. I was a gym rat, if you will. And I was going after millennials who were in the city, worked out daily, had a lot of aches and pains, but they didn't want to pop Tylenol every two hours. Um, So I I really was mindful and thoughtful of my branding, my color scheme, my name, um, everything. I I wanted to be anti-marijuana, right? Because at the time, people really leaned into that that imagery of the plant and green and sustainable and all this other like hippie stuff, which is great for those brands. But I realized like being in the city, people wanted to be able to pull out a product from their gym bag and not be embarrassed by what it was. So I initially started going after millennials. And then once I actually got out and started selling my products, I'm like, Millennials are great, but the people really buying from me consistently are older women, older women, uh, head of households, 43 to 57 year old. And that was my biggest challenge is really finding out who my perfect customer was, who really benefited from my products, who were like my ride or dies, if you will. And, you know, prior to us getting started, I was kind of mentioning how I think I want to shift and really focus on those suffering from arthritis and acute pain. Uh, because even as I'm getting older, you know, I, I'm, I'm not currently experiencing arthritis myself, but I am experiencing frequent daily migraines, you know, and it's so easy to be able to pop up ibuprofen. But I think we all have seen the benefits of trying to go a more natural route when dealing with pain physically and mentally. I agree. I was diagnosed with osteoarthritis back in 2016. Oh, wow. And I remember sitting in the doctor's office and thinking arthritis in my 20s, but it had resulted from excessive data entry like oh, for two and wow. a half years my one of my first jobs 
was heavily data entry focused. And the where and the constant where over two and a half years basically ruined my wrists. Oh, wow. And it forced me in my right, you know, my right hand is my dominant hand. It forced me to become a bit more ambidextrous. And so now at 27, I'm always like trying to find things that will help me. And Tylenol is great, but it can destroy your stomach lining. Oh, yeah. can affect like all other parts of you. And so finding medication that works and aligns well with my health needs, it can be very difficult. It can be very, very difficult. And so when I started stepping into the wellness world, like you said, I was very intimidated. If you don't know much about homeopathic treatment, uh, natural products, herbs, it can be a very intimidating experience. Yes. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it's a responsibility of you know, those of us who are in the industry to make sure that we're educating our consumers, right? It, it, it was quite frustrating because when CBD did catch on, people were just throwing any type of crap in their products. And again, I, I mean this honestly, right? It really pushed me to make sure that I remain transparent I remain high quality, like everything is done by hand with my brand. And I, I, I plan on keeping it that way simply because when you're dealing with CBD dosage is still just as important as, as as if you were dealing with marijuana, right? So when you're going into a normal dispensary, it's telling you on the package, especially for things that you're ingesting, how many milligrams per gummy right and i think it's just as important to remain that transparent even when you're dealing with cbd right not all cbd is created equal Uh, i've been thankful enough to find a domestic supplier out in california right that's the best that's where everything great comes from at this point right so i i think it's the the missteps that we had early on with people claiming that there was a certain amount of milligrams or people claiming that was CBD and actually it wasn't. I think that just for those of us that are still here, it just really pushed us to make sure that we were educating and providing a lot of information for the customers that, that were interested in in doing their own research. Do you feel like that percentage or that cap, right, of how much CBD can be in products or whatever, do you feel like that limits you on how effective your products are? Like, do you think that is a barrier? Because I have heard people say, well, oh, if they didn't have so many limits, we could have a more effective like balm or lotion or, you know, anything. Or is it more that it, it goes back to maybe it's back to what you're saying. It's the the poor quality of the CBD product. Well, for the first piece of of the question, to my knowledge, and I could definitely be wrong because I'm I'm still very much a student within this industry. To my knowledge, in terms of the limits when it comes to hemp and CBD. Legally, we have to stay under that 0.3% THC. And the reason being is anything higher 
federally, you're getting into a marijuana product, right? Because now your THC levels are higher. And that's when, like, I, I, I know several people. I've never experienced it topically. I have taken edibles from, I have taken marijuana edibles. But topically, I have heard that products that have a higher level of THC, you are going to have those 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 effects, those mental, not mental effects. I'm, I'm really losing my words here. But that's where people start hallucinating or what have you. There have been reports, right, of people experiencing that topically when they're using something that has a higher level of THC. So it's, you're going to get a, a high, if you will, a body high, a head high. I don't mind those limits. I do know that because I am in the pain relief industry, it's important for me to provide different levels for what customers are comfortable with. So I would love to be able to one day have products that have a higher level of THC, right? I would love to be able to kind of expand and offer that because I do know that there's cancer patients that would prefer not to take or ingest medicine every four hours for their pain. I would love to be able to do that. And I think right now I'm where I need to be in terms of learning about my customer, learning about the industry. I I find that CBD was a great entry level for me because it's allowing me to grow slowly. And then once New York expands, I'll be already be ready because I'll already be able to understand my customer, understand what the market is kind of leaning towards. I would have already had that brand awareness built. So, so I, I really don't feel, I think if you're smart about it, I don't feel like the stipulations on us is a detriment. I just think it's a learning opportunity, to be honest, because we already know that the industry is moving towards that. I'd be surprised in 10 years if there's still states that aren't recreational. So I, I find that it just forces us to be a little bit more creative. Do you have any exciting future plans for your collection? Exciting things for the company. Continuing to grow. So I'm based in Harlem, West Harlem. I got to make that stipulation. (laughs) East and West are not the same, you know, no, no shade to the East side. But I am based in West Harlem. And... You know, like many black and brown communities, West Harlem was really affected by the pandemic, extremely affected. And I just don't mean like store closings and all that. We we fared really well, in, in my opinion. You saw so many. How do I say this? 
you saw so many families really affected by it. You know, not everybody was able to work from home during the pandemic. I think that's something that it hasn't really been discussed. Like a lot of people are still unemployed to this day. Um, a lot of families are still struggling. For those that were not able to work from home, they still had to go into work and put themselves in danger and their kids were often left by themselves taking care of their sibling. So I say all that because I, I worked with the community during the pandemic. I saw how they were being affected both mentally and wellness wise. So I'm I'm really trying to grow the company into a social enterprise. I'm really into empowering especially young adults in making their own money in entrepreneurship. I really do think that entrepreneurship can be taught through by example, leading by example. So I would love to be able to implement programming and that's the plan to implement programming, to teach other young adults within the community, how to start their own businesses. And I would love for them to be able to get their first taste of that by working with us. So I'm trying to partner with youth centers and community centers and try to convert their unused space into learning labs where we would invite their members, their community members in teach them entrepreneurship, give them coursework, invite local you know, entrepreneurs to speak with them and then have them actually work within our company as as they're kind of figuring out what ideas they have and how they would want to expand into their own business. That just sounds amazing. And it sounds like New York has so many Black creatives, Black healers yeah, we do. in the community that are just like working and holding everyone down. I will say, though, I, I'm prepping for a, a major challenge, and I've been prepping for a major challenge since I launched the business. From the beginning, I knew that I wanted to keep production in Harlem because I saw Carol's Daughter, for instance. Lovely surprise, right? Carol's Daughter started in Brooklyn. She She was doing the farmer's market and Everything was handmade in her brownstone and she lived upstairs and the her her store was downstairs in the parlor. So when you bought from her, right, you were going into the place where she made the products and it was a local spot and it was in Brooklyn. But as she grew, like many, you know, I don't want to point out that as though she was the only one, but like many companies, as they grow, they start to take their production international right and why is that because it's so much cheaper but for me it's like i love a challenge so can't we figure out how we can keep things domestically how we can employ the community pay them a fair wage and still be able to expand and that is incredibly challenging like every mentor i have ever met within the last 4 years has told me that it is going to be quite difficult and expensive to keep a, a company running in Harlem and that I should think about mass producing the products, all that good stuff. So at this point, 
I'm very optimistic, but I, I do know I have a challenge ahead of me. I, I know that this is going to be a long road of me figuring out how the heck I'm going to make this work. But I, I think we, I think, you know, the pandemic was a blessing in disguise. I think it showed us that, you know, the importance of maintaining community and maintaining jobs and opportunities within that community. So I, I really do think that oddly enough, more doors have opened up to entrepreneurs like myself who kind of want to build something within the community and don't mind whether or not it expands into an international level. I think that's amazing. And I'm glad that you're up for the challenge. <laughs> I'll be watching comfortably <laughs> from the snowy apartment here in Minnesota. Where can listeners find you like on social media, your website? The Instagram handle is the T-H-E-B-A-D-E collection. Um, about a year and a half ago, the, the company is still very much Body Collection LLC, but a year and a half ago, we did change the name to Sincerely Body, Body, B-A-D-E, spelled phonetically. And you can also find us at that website, SincerelyBADE.com. Check us out, follow us, support us. You know, I think that's, that's my biggest ask is whether or not you you purchase from us, spread the word because it, it keeps me going. It keeps us going as a team when when we are personally recommended to people searching for products like ours. And I think that's just the key to our growth is just kind of chugging along and staying focused and staying true to our formulas and quality and find having customers find us through word of mouth. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Simone. I appreciate it. Thank you for everyone who listened to the episode today. Please follow, please support Black businesses. They're important and integral to the growth of our community. Yes. Yes. No, thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate, you know, the opportunity to talk your ear off. <laughs> I do enjoy these opportunities and I always leave my door open. So, you know, people can find my, my email address on the website and they have any further questions, especially aspiring entrepreneurs, definitely shoot me an email and I try to get back to everybody as timely as possible, but I, I do always leave that door open because I know how it is. And I think that we should never get too big where we can't kind of extend a hand out and lift as we climb, if you will.